Hey again. Good morning. You guys make it okay? <laughs> just like a slow doom, 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 doom. Uh, no, thank you, Corey and team, just for leading us really well. Appreciate that. And uh, it's weird. I don't know if you feel this. When you're not at, at church for a couple weeks, it feels like it might as well have been years. Like, Lindsay and I were not here the last two Sundays. Might as well have been months. Like, seeing people I've never met before. Some of you look different than you looked last time. Some of you are taller. Some of you are wider. No, I'm just kidding. But at least you're taller, uh, some of you. Uh, but I'm really excited just to be back with you because it is so fun like to get to go through some of these series together. But if you caught, like this week, week 12 of Soul Work is our last spiritual discipline we're looking at, this last practice that we're looking at. And, and I was trying to think, like, man, as you kind of end a series like this, some of you have been journeying with us this entire summer through that journey. And I hope these last 11 have been really life-giving to you and energizing to your walk with, with God. Like that was the hope is that in the midst of a crazy time, in the midst of, for some of you, really big transition season this summer, uh, that you would sense like a rootedness and a stability that some of these practices have brought. Things like fasting and meditation and uh, solitude and uh, celebration, all the things that we've talked about this summer. And so if you haven't caught those, you can go back and listen. They'll obviously be online. But today, I was trying to wrestle with, like, man, what would be a good one to end on? Really, there are 12, but how they're ordered was intentional. And I was trying to think, I was like, man, what are some of the most common questions I get as a pastor? Like, what are some of the most common things that people either email me or text me or want to meet about? And I kind of stumbled upon narrowing it down to one or two. And I want to tackle, which which really one of the number one or two questions uh, that I get. This question is one that for the last six months or so, I've personally wrestled with, that Lindsay and I have talked about. Like, we are together kind of on this journey because this question, if you embrace it and you find kind of a solid answer to the question, it will radically change how you follow Christ. It'll change how you approach church. It'll change how you wake up on Monday morning. It will begin to change your relationships, how you relate to your friends or your coworkers or your spouse or even how you kind of live in your singleness. It'll change all of those things. We just talked about money. It'll change how you spend money. It will radically change how you parent and how you interact with grandkids or your own kids. Like this question properly answered has a way of unlocking a lot of things for us when it comes to the spiritual journey. And the question is very simple. Maybe you've asked this before. How can I hear God's voice? How can I hear God's voice? How do I know when God is speaking to me? And how do I know what to follow, when to follow, or what he's asking me to do? Really, if you think about it, this is one of the most profound questions that anybody can ask. Because if you go to the very beginning pages of Scripture, right in the creation origin story of our, of our humanity, you find them, Adam and Eve, these two people put in the garden to walk in relationship with their creator. You find them wrestling with the same question. Maybe you recall this story. Like the serpent comes in, has entered into the mix, and Eve says, I can't eat from this tree. It's not good for me. It's not what I'm supposed to do. God said, don't eat from this tree. We may die. And the serpent responds back. Maybe you remember the story. Did God actually say that? Like, are you sure that you heard God's voice clearly. And the first lie ever told in human history is about not hearing clearly the voice of God. 
And Jesus was bent on talking about this. This is why all of these spiritual practices and disciplines, they, they flow out of Jesus' life. They're not detached. They're just things that we decided we should do as Christians. They all come from his own practices. And I want to take you to John 10, because in John 10, we find a really succinct, concise passage that talks about this. So if you have a Bible or device, let's go there. The reference is on the screen if you already forgot where we are. But in John 10... Verse 1, listen to Jesus' words. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his, say this word with me, voice, his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know, say this with me, his voice, but they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, this metaphor, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. To the practice we're going to end this, this series on, end this, this kind of collection of sermons on, is about the practice of guidance. Guidance, how, how to hear God's will, how to discern his voice in your life, and then to respond, to do it, to obey, to follow through, to live out what he's taught you. And I think it's one of the most important as we approach the fall. For some of us, this is like transition week for kids or for family members. And this is an important, pivotal time to look at this because we are all maybe asking the question, how this fall can I more clearly hear God's voice and his, his will in my life. In John 10, what I think is interesting is, is Jesus uses probably the most common metaphor, uh, at least regionally, that he could have possibly used. He is talking to first century, first century Israel about sheep and shepherding. I mean, again, we don't have a lot of sheep in Byron Center. In fact, I don't know if I've ever seen any on my drive-in to work before. They're just not present. But I did live in Auckland, New Zealand for, for a little bit, and I found that there's a four-to-one sheep-to-human ratio there. So I saw a lot of sheep. I'll just put it that way. Like, I am familiar with sheep. I didn't have the privilege or, or duty of shepherding ever, but I learned a few things about sheep and even about uh, shepherding in first-century Israel. A couple things you should know. Uh, sheep fact number one, commonly sheep uh, were led by a nomadic shepherd. So this is not heavy tech. This is like one guy out in the field with probably 20 to 30 sheep as part of his flock. Like you can kind of picture like the sun setting and this, this, this shepherd leading his sheep to a, to a safe pasture. But they also would have been kind of traveling together. There would have been multiple shepherds with multiple groups of sheep, multiple flocks together that would have each had their own distinct voice and call for their sheep. I don't know if you caught this, at least in my translation, it literally says in verse 3, he, talking about the shepherd, calls his own sheep by name. Like, we just read that and think that's normal. Have you ever gone to a farmer's house and he names all hundred of his cows before he kills them? No, he does not. That is cruel and weird and, and just odd. Like, that's not a thing. Like, if you know something's going to be dinner, it's not nice to have your kids name dinner. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is, this is weird. But Jesus is saying, I, I call my sheep by name. And shepherds in this time would have had enough sheep to where they would have named their sheep and called them. Obviously, John's a weird name for sheep, but just picture it. Like, 
John's over here about to run off a cliff. Hey, John, the shepherd calls out, and I would hear as a sheep, and I would go back to the flock. Jesus is, is using kind of this incredibly common understanding that sheep would have been named in the kind of region that he's teaching this in. But not only were they named, shepherds had a distinct tone of voice. It was unique to them for calling their sheep to them because they had multiple flocks would share these sheep pens overnight. So you think maybe a hundred or so sheep kind of swirling around this cave or something. When, when the shepherd needed his flock to leave and go out this small little entryway, this gateway, he would use his distinct tone of voice. He would call them out. And if another shepherd did it or another thief or robber, as Jesus said, tried to do this, they're not going with them because they don't recognize that voice. They are stopping. They're staying in the sheep pen. And this is literally something that's still practiced today. I didn't know this. This is some sheep facts. I just had not looked up in my spare time until this. Uh, But there's actually a video. I want to show you just for like a two-minute video about this still happening. And I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, Let's check this out. One more time. goes on and he literally leads them around this field like they're just totally locked in just because of his voice like you can kind of tell he had taught them the call and the way they do it is off like i'll just put it that way they just don't get it and he does it and it's amazing how quick that is like it shocked me how their heads kind of click up and they start to run towards their shepherd's voice this is literally the, the metaphor jesus is using for followers of him that they would have that level of attentiveness and recognition for when God speaks. It would just be immediate. It would be like, get your head up and and follow wherever his voice is leading you. And this is what he's trying to say. Followers of me in my kingdom, this is how disciples operate. But I think one of the most striking things about this passage in John 10, which this, if you've been around church, maybe you've heard this passage, you get like, 
sheep and shepherd. This is kind of how we relate to God. But in verse 6, there's that striking line that, that kind of haunts me as I read it. Jesus used this figure of speech, talking about sheep and shepherd, and then this is what the writer says. But the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Is this because Pharisees, people who grew up knowing Jewish law and knowing the metaphors used of God in the Old Testament as being the shepherd of the sheep and reading psalms about sheep, do you think they're just clueless? They're just, he just picked a bunch of dumb Pharisees that, at that point? No. like they, they understood what he was talking about, but they did not truly hear it. Why? Because they didn't just encounter chapter 9 in John, talks about spiritual blindness. Chapter 10 is about spiritual deafness. Like their ears were closed up to, to God's voice. They, they were not understanding what Jesus was trying to say. Here's the sobering reality about the practice of guidance, the practice of listening to God's voice, is that we'll never be all God wants us to be if we fail to learn his voice. Like that, that is a just truth about the spiritual journey. I don't necessarily like that truth because I wish I could be all that God wants me to be without having to figure out this mysterious relationship I have with his voice, but that's just not how it works. We'll never be all God wants us to be if we fail to learn his voice. Some of you know we have like a 15-month-old daughter. Her name's Lennon. And Lennon goes to daycare a couple uh, days a week. So when we took out our second mortgage, got her signed up, uh, we were really excited a couple days a week that someone else got to listen to her scream and do her thing. So... It was a couple of weeks ago, I was picking her up from daycare, as we call it, school. We were picking her up from school, and I go through the door, and I check her out on the checking, like the computer system, and I hear a bunch of kids crying, and I know, like, okay, that kind of sounds like down the hall where she is, but Lennon has a distinct cry. It is like blood curdling, like as a parent, you hear your kid cry, like, oh my gosh, get me out of the situation. And she was going for it. I don't, I don't know what had happened, who took her pretzels, but she was mad. Like, she was ticked at something or somebody. And so I finally get back there, and sure enough, she's sitting there. She's crying. She's all angry and upset. So I take her. We get in the car, go home, and give her more pretzels, and everything was okay. But, but it was amazing to me. I kind of drove home, and her, I was like, oh, my goodness. There was probably 10 other kids in that room, some of them screaming, some of them laughing, some of them crying. When Lennon cried, I was like, boom, I have like a detector for that as a parent. I was just laser focused on that. Like when I'm home alone and she wakes up from a nap just raging with the force of a thousand suns, you don't have to convince me, is that Lennon or is that, is that Lindsay? You know, like for me, I'm pretty clear, I'm pretty clear when it's Lennon, okay? Like I know Lennon's cry. I know like her, her rage, but when it's in a group of kids, even when it is in a group of kids, I can still detect it. I've learned her voice. I've learned it through relationship with her. Like, I'm her dad. I, I know what's best for her. I want what's best for her. And this is the exact same relationship Jesus wants to have with every single one of you. Like, he wants to have a relationship with you to the point where you can detect his loving voice, where you know when the good shepherd's in the room. Like where you know he's guiding you and bringing you into good pasture. I find that so interesting because uh, if you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, so the other three of the four Gospels that we didn't read from today, almost every single parable in Matthew, Mark, and Luke is specifically geared towards the listener understanding something about the kingdom of God. 
Like Jesus' goal in telling the majority of his parables in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, not John, is about the kingdom of God, the culture of the kingdom of God as it breaks in to our, our, our society, into our family, into our neighborhood. Like that's, that's what it's geared toward. But John has a different aim. John, as a writer, is trying through these parables to help you understand Jesus' identity, who he is. And in this parable, we didn't even read the whole thing, but in the first six verses about sheep and shepherding and sheep knowing God's voice and knowing the voice of their shepherd, what we take away from this is that Jesus is a brilliant communicator. Jesus is a brilliant communicator. In fact, he's the best. He is the best. Like he has equipped you and hardwired you to hear his voice when he calls, to shepherd you and lead you and guide you when you reach out to him. And the, the, the kind of gap that we experience often is not in the fact that Jesus somehow became a bad communicator 2,000 years later. He's the same. But our, our ability to hear through the noise of other voices in our life, distractions, work, achievements, kids, often gets in the way. We have a listening problem. He doesn't have a speaking problem. And one of the ways I've discovered this is that uh, I was journaling on this a few weeks ago, the difference between primary voices and secondary voices. Let me tell you what I mean. There are people in your life who I would describe as primary voices. Every single one of us has some of these, maybe not a ton, but you have at least a few, who when they speak into your life, they hold great weight. Maybe for you, that's a parent. Maybe for you, it's a boss or, or a close friend, could be a spouse, could be a spiritual mentor or a leader in your life. When they say something, you receive it, and you, you don't even question it. You're like, okay, I'm taking that in. Like, it's truth. But all of us also have secondary voices. We have other voices in our life, people who, who may speak into our lives, who they still have importance, but not as much. That may be a sibling, could be a coworker, could be another classmate, uh, could be a sibling we have. It's people that do speak into our lives often, but we don't give them as much weight. And here's what happens a lot of the time, and I can be guilty of this. We put people who should be secondary voices in primary voices positions. We, we allow personalities, maybe even celebrities or news anchors, to have the place of primary voice in our life. And we remove people who actually should be in that. Someone in my small group, someone in our church, a parent, a best friend, a trusted mentor, or a wise person, and we, we flip-flop those, and then we end up relegating God to a secondary voice, and then we get frustrated at him. <laughs> like, why aren't you speaking more often when I haven't read his word, I haven't spent time in church, I haven't been with anybody who's growing spiritually, and I'm confused. Why am I not hearing God's voice? And he's looking down at you and saying, why aren't you? Like, I've, I've put you in positions to hear from me, but we flip-flop those. We've allowed secondary voices to take the place of primary voices, and it never really works. I stumbled across this even in my own life a couple of years ago. I just recognized, like, man, uh, like we're leading the mission forward here at the church, but, but I'm kind of doing, like, I'm kind of the only voice speaking into some of this stuff, and I don't think that's good. Like, I need some other trusted, wise voices around me. And so about a year or so ago, created this thing called a spiritual advisory team. Three or four people who sit with me every single month and discern 
and pray and seek God's guidance for the church, people that are just like you and me who, who care about the future of center, who, who have God's best in mind. And man, that has totally changed how I've led because I'm not, no longer just saying, okay, I've got to figure it figured out. I have to discern. But now there's a team of people working alongside of me to do that because as a pastor, my goal is not to become the best speaker I can be, even though that's important. Like, I take God's Word incredibly serious. I think how we deliver and communicate God's Word should never be boring or stale or ritualistic. It should be dynamic and exciting. So I want to grow. I'm in environments every week that try to push me to get better at speaking, but that's not my goal. My goal as a pastor and our goal as disciples should be how can we be the best listeners to the voice of God that we can be? How can we tune our lives, our ears, our family, our marriage, our singleness, how can we tune those things to actually hear the voice of God? Because if I asked you, I mean, whether you're a Christian or not, like if God spoke to you, would that make a difference in your life? All of us would probably say, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> like if God could speak into the situation or bring hope here or encourage me in this or affirm me in this place or correct this or rebuke or, or convict this, like that would be the best. And yet often we just fail to listen when he does actually speak, and we miss out on his words and his voice to us. So really practically, I want to go through just kind of three kind of ways or means that you can hear God's voice. These are not going to blow your mind. You already know them, but it's, they're reminders, friendly reminders of the avenues we tend to hear God's voice the best. The first one's really obvious. It's his word. The second one's primary voices. The third is the body of Christ. So I'm going to walk through those real briefly. The first is his word. Uh, let me put it this way. I remember some of you may look at me like, wow, that guy looks like the most outdoorsy beard girls guy I've ever seen. You're wrong, okay? It's a myth. It's kidding. For those of you who do know me, you're like, that's not true. My favorite camping is the Hampton Inn, so if that gives you any clue, I'm not, not that outdoorsy. I'm going on a camping trip next weekend. I'm kind of afraid. But as I go on that, I was reminded of one of my first camping trips. It was in high school, and we went as, like a, as a church youth group. We went together, and we were split into teams. We had all these challenges to complete over this weekend. So my team kind of gets the, here's instructions for the next challenge. And I, before they kind of lay out all the rules and stipulations of that challenge, I was like, I got to go to the bathroom, man. I'm a, I'm a child, so I cannot hold it. I got to go. So team, I'll catch up with you guys in the woods. I'm going to go. So I go to the bathroom, run back meet the team, and I find them kind of digging in the, this is West Michigan, so it's a sand pit, essentially, in the middle of the woods. So they're digging in the sand, but instead of, like, real tools, all of my friends have these little, like, kid shovels. You seen those, like, at the beach? Lennon has one, like these little toy shovels that are effective, really not at all, for, for actually digging stuff. And so I, like, look down, I'm, okay, I guess we got to do this. Well, I start digging with these little kid shovels, and I'm getting frustrated. I'm like, guys, I'm a competitive person. I want to win. And we're not going to win using these kids' shovels. And so we got to figure out a different way. I said, ditch the shovels, guys. Like, just dig in with your hands. Like, that's way more effective. So I get down on the ground, and I notice, like, if, if no one's following, you're not leading. Ever heard that? that? But I was thinking I was leading our group. So I, I'm there digging with my hands, kind of scratching down, trying to get into, find this clue that's, a, that's buried beneath where we're digging, well, eventually I find the clue, and I lift up my hand, and it is just covered in blood. It is just shredded. Like, what I did not know was the instructions that I missed while in the little boy's room 
were that the, the clues were buried inside of an old rusty tin can and not to dig with your hands. <laughs> like that was the instruction I missed. So as the leader's like pa- patching my hand back together, he's like, did you not hear the instructions? Like, no, I was actually in the bathroom. Sorry, like I, I tried to be wise and it ended up really hurting me. Some of you already got where I'm going when it comes to his word. Like if you don't know his instructions, his word, you're going to get hurt. It will hurt. Because you and I were designed for walking, breathing, living relationship with Jesus, and his word is a way we hear his voice. Like that's one of the most, ne- the absolute next question I always ask. If you're, if you're struggling to hear God's voice, are you in his word? If you're not, then you makes sense. He's laid out books and books and books for you to understand and to take in as his voice. The second is through having the right primary voices. Now, this may take counseling. This may take deep conversations with a spouse. This may take some some soul work on your part to figure out who are the primary voices in my life. Like, they may not need to be your favorite podcaster. You may need to remove that primary voice and put in the right primary voice instead. That may not be your boss or your employer. You may need to remove that person, not that you don't listen to what they say, but when it comes to matters of life and death and the spiritual journey, maybe you need to put some other people in that primary voice spot that actually uh, love and follow Christ. And the third way I think is somewhat obvious, and I have a hunch if you're here, you already kind of know this one, but, but God often speaks through the body of Christ. That is why you being here is critically important. In a way, you can think about it, if, if God's speaking to all of us, if his Holy Spirit is infilling our lives, those of us who have surrendered and made a decision to follow Jesus, then that would mean as we gather together, his voice gets louder and louder and louder. It becomes amplified. This is why, like, I can leave a Sunday morning and the biggest thing I take away is not something that was said in a sermon, was not something that was prayed on stage or sung in, in the lyrics of a song, but it can sometimes just be a conversation with somebody. Sometimes it's, hey, I, I prayed for you. I know that that was heavy. I prayed for you. Or, or hey, can I encourage you? Or, I'd love to get lunch or coffee with you and tell you about what, what's happening in my life or what God's doing. It's encouraging and Sometimes it's, it's the body of Christ that is the most important thing I walk away with. And what ends up happening is God speaks through other people every single Sunday. And again, it's not a matter of, does that happen? It does happen, but are you listening? Are you open? Are you willing to receive the, the words and the, and the ways God is speaking to you? Frankly, I think about this fall. Obviously, summers are weird. We were gone the last two Sundays, but... But here's a a core desire I have for us. I want us as a church to miss being here. I want us to miss it. I don't want it to feel like an event or something we kind of scrap together and just make happen every once in a while. I want it to be a rhythm of life in which we know I'm going to hear God. I'm going to receive something from him. Like he has created me to listen to him, created me to live my life guided by his Holy Spirit. And when I'm in the body of Christ, I'm in a community like this, I just get better at that. I want us to miss being here. You're not just known at church. That's good. Community's important. We should know people's names. If you haven't met somebody yet, meet somebody before you leave. Like that's important. But we are needed. 
you are both known and you're needed when it comes to church because God speaks through the body of Christ. I can tell you this too. I was uh, able to visit other churches over these last couple weeks and those churches were great, awesome experience, cool place. But I missed our church. Like I missed being here. I missed a place where we've invested the last five and a half years of our lives into. Like, I think that's really important for us to have places like that. But the last couple weeks when we were away, if you've ever vacationed with a one-year-old, you call it a trip, not a vacation. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It was was a trip, not a vacation. I was talking to LJ earlier. He had to travel a long distance in a car, and he had a one-year-old. He was like, yep, that was a trip, not a vacation. But I would say the last couple weeks, we were physically away, but it was not the most restful, stress-free, beautiful vacation time that maybe I had envisioned it would be. It was actually really, really difficult. Like we have not slept well the last basically three or four weeks, including today. <laughs> like, so, so when I come into these moments, I'm, I'm asking for the same thing you're asking. I'm asking God, I need, here's where I need your voice today. Like as a family, we need God's voice. In the Gorvat family, we need God's voice to speak words of peace, rest, and stability right now. It's not like fall makes life easier or slowed down. Can I get an amen? You know what I'm saying? So if I feel that way now, I really need to hear God's voice in these next couple weeks. And maybe you do too. Maybe not in those areas, but but can you answer the question, where do you need God's voice today? Where's the the spot for you? It may have to do with money. It may have to do with a marriage. It may have to do with the next step in life, maybe post-college or post-high school. It may have to do with a clarifying thing. God, do you want me to take this job or switch to this major? Like, what, what do you want me to do? Maybe you need guidance in a transition Where do you need God's voice today? Because here's what I know. You answer that question, you will be amazed at how the Holy Spirit begins to speak into that area. It's incredible. It's like God knows you. (laughs) It's like God loves you. It's like God wants what's best for you. And he just does it time after time. But he will not do it if your heart is closed, your mind is closed, your ears are closed to say, I actually don't need you. So where, friends, do you need God's voice today? Because that, that, that reality of John 10 will hit tomorrow morning that will never be all God wants us to be if we fail to learn his voice. And that's what I want for you. I know that's what God wants for you. So would you pray with me? We're just gonna pray kind of around that this morning. Um, as we kind of close our eyes and lock into this moment before we sing again, I know there's a chance, maybe like me, where you just, you don't even have to think about it. You've already clearly identified, man, here's where I need God's voice. I, I need to hear from him today. If you know what that area is, you don't have to shout it out or do anything weird, but could you just slip your hand up? Because I'd love to pray specifically over you and maybe your family or yourself today in, in answering that. So if you know, where do I need to hear God's voice today? Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. So God, I just bring before you everybody, but specifically these people who I've identified, I know there's an area I need to hear God's voice. I'm craving, I'm longing for a word from you. 
And I pray, God, that you wouldn't just answer that prayer or speak into that area later this week. I'm not asking that later on they'd come to realization or someone would say something. I pray, God, right here, right now, that you would speak to them. That they would sense your comforting words. They would sense your encouragement. They would sense your wisdom and your guidance. I have a feeling there's some in this room who are having to make difficult parenting decisions right now. And I pray that as a parent, God, you would come alongside them as a loving, guiding, heavenly father and help them to make the right call. That you would be the voice speaking into that situation. So Jesus, I pray that you would do that work in all of us, that you'd open our ears, you'd increase our capacity to hear from you this fall and even today. We love it and pray it all in Jesus' name.